there is a sound in the hearts of God's people that the world is waiting to be released. Welcome there to Nine Sunday School. We're going to get started as soon as this creation ends. It's longing for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's time for us to release that sound so that the whole world will know of God's love and compassion.
Hallelujah. Blessings and grace, everyone. Let me turn off my music here so it don't interrupt us. Turn that off. Turn on my do not disturb. All right. Blessings, everyone. Welcome to Non-Sunday School. Um, it, this is an interactive class. If you want to be interactive on tonight, uh, make sure you uh, it come through the Podbean app. If you don't want to be interactive and you just want to sit back and listen, um, then you're just fine just listening from my website to the live stream. But y'all, I am so excited. I am so excited to bring this, this lesson to you again. And why am I excited? <laughs> why am I excited? I am excited because I have never experienced so much warfare over a lesson in my life. Look, last week it didn't record. I haven't had any problems recording, but last week it didn't record. Then we had the issues with Clubhouse just completely just crashing. And today, I'm just like barely making it to the class because I drive semi-tractors and I just got a brand new like $167,000 truck, had an accident in the truck. And when the accident happened, all I could think about, well, nobody was hurt and, you know, it wasn't my fault or anything like that. But all I could do was laugh because I'm like, all I could think about was non-Sunday school. And they, I had to sit there while they did an incident report and all of that. But while they're doing all of that, all I'm thinking is, God, I can't wait to get to non-Sunday school. Let them hurry up and get me out of here because I got to teach this lesson tonight. The devil don't want me to do it. The fight, he's been fighting me the whole way. He fought us last week. He fought us again tonight. But despite the accident, I am still here because I know beyond a doubt that this lesson is for somebody and whatever hit I had to take today because of that, hey, it's worth it because somebody's going to get this word and it's going to produce fruit in your life. So hallelujah. I just had to get that out. <laughs> I had to get that out. Thank you, God, for today. Thank you for helping me to have joy through it all. Thank you for the assignment. Thank you for the, 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 the ability to feed your sheep, Father. Can't nothing take my mind off of that. So I, I count it an honor. I count it an honor. Just thank you for letting me get here on time to teach this class on tonight. And I pray right now, Holy Spirit, for your Holy Spirit, just saturate this room, saturate this atmosphere take over the live, take over the replay, wherever people are going to be listening from, Holy Spirit, when they listen to it, I thank you that your anointing will be resting on every word. Holy Spirit, I love you. I thank you so much because it's truly your joy. It's truly your joy is why I'm smiling right now. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the name of Jesus. So, yes, welcome back to non-Sundays. I'm so happy. I mean, I have like unexplainable joy right now because the devil tried it. <laughs> he tried it today. He tried it today. But God, but God, but God, but God. So I'm just, I'm just bursting with laughter right now because it didn't work. It didn't work. What he tried to do didn't work. Um, so we taught this class on last week. It's um non-Sunday school. The subject matter was on the other side of through discovering your purpose after the storm. Usually I have a lot of notes and I do have notes um, on tonight. Um, but last week, Holy Spirit really took me off a lot of the notes and he said a lot of things that wasn't in my notes. So the same way he did that last week, he's going to do the same this week. So you may not get everything that you got last week, but you're going to get what you need 
for whoever is listening. Um, so we're talking about on the other side of through discovering your purpose after the storm. You need your Bibles. You never take anybody's word for what's in the Bible. So as I'm reading, make sure you read along with me. We go through a lot of scriptures in non-Sunday school. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to BibleGateway.com, pull up one for free. I usually read from the King James Version, but you can also, um, um, I also read from the NASB Version at times as well. But you can pull that up. And if you just want to sit back and listen and not take notes, feel free to do that because the replay will be up on my website indefinitely so you can always go back and listen all right so again welcome to non-sunday school i'm on tonight we're gonna be discussing on the other side of through discovering your purpose after the storm all right so as i look back over the lessons i've already taught um, it makes sense the subject matter that god has given me to teach on on tonight and last week so he's building a strong foundation in us and he's building his house, which is us, brick by brick. So he's building us brick by brick, starting from the foundation. Um, so if you've missed any of the previous lessons that I've done for non-Sunday school, all of them are still available for replay on my website at faizaimani.com. So make sure you just head on over there and listen when you get an opportunity to do so. So let's jump right on into the lesson. So one of the biggest misconceptions in the body of Christ, especially amongst new believers, is that once we come to Jesus, we are exempt from trouble. So a lot of believers feel that they feel like or, you know, the church teaches a lot of churches make people feel like once they come to Jesus, you know, everything's honky dory. You know, we're going to be walking on crystal stairs. You don't have to worry about the devil bothering you. Like everything's going to be good once you come to Jesus. And that is a big lie. That is a big lie. Because once we come to Jesus, that's when the trouble really starts. That's when the persecution really starts. Because the devil, for one, he's not going to fight you when you're on his team. So because, before you came to Jesus, the devil was your father. <laughs> and you were walking in darkness. You were on team darkness before you came to Jesus. So when you're on team darkness, he's not going to fight who's on his team. The Bible says a house divided against itself cannot stand. So if you're on his team, he's not fighting you. You might go through some stuff, but nothing compared to what it is like when you come over to team light. So once you come over to team light, which is team Jesus, that's when the devil really starts fighting you because now you're against his team. Now you're trying to destroy his kingdom. Now you're trying to take over uh, with the kingdom of light. Light dispels darkness and he knows that. So he tries to put out your light. He'll try to throw everything at you that he possibly can to try to steal, kill, destroy you, your purpose, your destiny, anything connected with you. That's his job. So that is a misconception. That's a misconception that we're exempt from trials, tribulations, and the storms of life when we come to Jesus. The truth is, like I said, is when we come to Jesus that we really start going through a making process. And I said last week, I almost called that a breaking process. The Holy Spirit said it's not a breaking process. It's a making process. Okay? So when we come to Jesus and we start going through the storms of life, 
and the enemy starts throwing things at us to try to break us, destroy us, break our spirits, take our joy, all of those things, is not to break us, it's to make us. Because you have to think about it. Once we come to Jesus, God has a hedge of protection all around us. You can read the book of Job. God has a hedge of protection all around us. It's an unbreakable hedge that the enemy cannot penetrate unless he first gets God's permission to do so. So if God gives the adversary or the enemy or Satan, if God gives him permission to touch you, it's not to break you, it's to make you. But here's the thing, the devil thinks it's to break you. The devil thinks it's to break you. And we talked about last week how the devil is nothing but a pawn upon p-a-w-n in the hands of god so a lot of times the devil because god will remove the hedge for his own purposes a lot of times the devil will come in through that hedge and think that oh he's destroying you but little does he know that god is just using him for his purposes don't believe me let's go back to jesus God had to remove the hedge of protection away from Jesus in order for the devil to come in and crucify Jesus on the cross. So the devil thought he was killing Jesus. He thought he was crucifying Jesus. Jesus was going to be dead forever. Like when Jesus died on the cross, Satan thought, oh, we won. That's it. We won. That's the end of it for Jesus. Little did he know that three days later, Jesus was going to raise from the dead. And not only will he raise from the dead, but he raised all of us with him. So the devil didn't win. He thought he was breaking him, but it was really making him and making us at the same time. So the devil never wins and the devil can never touch us unless God gives him permission to do so. And God only gives him permission to do so if what the devil wants to do aligns with God's perfect picture for our lives. Let me make that make sense. Okay, so the book of Jeremiah Jeremiah 1 5 it says before I formed you in your mother's womb I knew you so even though he was talking to Jeremiah that goes for every single one of us that's born in this earth so every single person that's born in this earth before we were born now this is one of my favorite scriptures so y'all have heard me say this or speak on this several times before once we I hope y'all don't hear that noise in the background that's somebody else's semi-tractor but hey I'm here in my tractor and to God be the glory thank you Jesus <laughs> All right. But going back to before God formed you in your mother's womb, he had this big picture of your life, perfectly put together picture, image of your life. He knew exactly what it was supposed to look like. It's like a gazillion piece jigsaw puzzle of your life, perfectly put together. And then once he dropped you in your mother's womb, that puzzle got crumbled up or broken into like all these gazillion pieces and nobody can put it back together but God so that puzzle now you got all these broken pieces in your life you got things that you've gone through in life storms that you've gone through in life that you didn't think should have happened to you you know it was really like the enemy trying to destroy you but you cannot throw those pieces away because if you throw those pieces away, when you put together the puzzle of your life, if you have one piece missing, you have an incomplete puzzle. So even the parts of your life that you don't understand, that you don't think should have happened, the storms that you went through that you don't think you should have went through, you were supposed to go through it. You were supposed to go through it. Remember, God only allowed it to happen because it fit into the big picture of your life that he had already created before you were born all right so i pray that makes sense 
So it's not a breaking process. Your storm wasn't a breaking process. It was a making process. So we have the power and the authority to rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. Every single one of us who have come to Christ, we have the power and the authority to rebuke the devil in the name of Jesus. God has given us that power. Even on your weakest day, even on your worst day, you got enough power in your pinky toe than the devil will ever have. So don't ever let the devil punk you to make you think that he got power over you because he don't. He never will. He never has. Once you come over to Jesus, you have the power and the authority over him. All right. So we have the power not only over the devil, but because we have the power and the authority over him in the name of Jesus, that means we also have the power to rebuke the storms that he sends, that the devil sends. If the devil sends a storm, we can rebuke it. We can rebuke it. We have the power and the authority to rebuke anything that he sends. We can't rebuke what God sends, but we can rebuke what the devil sends. Jesus rebuked the winds and the waves and they obeyed him. Now, that's the thing. So you can rebuke it if the devil sent it. But if God sent the storm, you cannot rebuke the storm away. All right. So if you rebuke the storm and it don't go away. And why am I talking about the storms right now? I'm talking about it right now because I understand that everybody is not on the other side of through yet. Some people are still going through their storms. Some people that may listen to the replay are still in the midst of their storms right now. And they're right, some are at the beginning of a storm, some are at the middle of their storm, some are at the end of the storm, and some done already came out of the storm. So Holy Spirit is gonna minister to you where you are. So if you're in the beginning of a storm or if you're in the storm and, and you rebuke it and it don't go away, it's not the devil that sent it. It's not the devil that allowed it. It's God allowing it. And he allowed it for it to make you, not to break you. So the same Jesus who rebuked the winds and the waves and rebuked the storm is also the same Jesus who was sweating blood in the Garden of Gethsemane, asking God if it were possible to let the bitter cup pass from him. So he could rebuke the storm away that the enemy sent. But the, the storm that God allowed to come, which was for him to be crucified on the cross, he couldn't rebuke that away. He was sweating blood, saying, if it's possible, let this bitter cup pass from me. You cannot rebuke God. You cannot rebuke God. And I want to talk about the bitter cup, too, because um, Psalm 23, the Psalm of David, it talks about my cup runneth over. And a lot of times people quote that scripture as if your cup is always going to run over with blessings. If your cup is going to run over with something that you want to drink from the cup. Well, that's not true. That's not always the case. And we see that from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. He said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He had to drink from a cup and it wasn't a cup. Yes, it was a cup of blessings, but it was a bitter cup. It didn't taste good. It didn't taste good going down. So sometimes when God has that call on your life, you're going to have to drink from a bitter cup. But when you drink from that bitter cup, it's not just for you. You're also drinking for others. You're drinking for those that you're carrying in your spirit, that you're birthing out, the nations, the people that you're called to reach. God chose you to go through and God chose you to drink from the cup because he knew that they couldn't drink from it. He knew that if they drunk from it, it would kill them. 
It would be poison to them because they weren't equipped to handle it. Just like Jesus was equipped to drink from that bitter cup that he had to drink from in his storm, he could drink from it. We couldn't have drunk from that bitter cup because it would have killed us. We would have been dead forever. But Jesus drunk from it. He rose from the dead. Not only did he raise from the dead, but we rose with him. So he was anointed to drink from that bitter cup. He was anointed to go through the storm that God allowed him to go through. All right. So if the storm is from God, you cannot rebuke it. You cannot rebuke it away. So instead, what you do, you strap on God's armor and you go through it. You put on the helmet of salvation. You put on the breastplate of righteousness. You gird your loins about with the belt of truth. You take up the shield of faith. You take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And you shod your feet with the shoes of the preparation of the gospel of peace. You put your big girl panties on, your big boy boxers on. You put your Timberlands on, whatever you got to put on, because you about to go through it, but you're equipped to go through it. You're going to make it. God already knew you was going to make it before he put you, form you in your mother's womb. So he already knows that you're going to make it through. He already know you're going to make it through the storm. All right? So... If you're going through the storm, God is bragging on you. You have a great purpose. You have a great assignment on your life. And that storm cannot break you. It cannot take your life. It's only going to make you into the vessel that God created you to be. So you're going to come out on the other side of the storm greater than you were before you went into it. That's how it works when it's a storm that's sent from God. You come out greater. And I'm going to explain in just a moment how you come out greater. All right. So the assignment of the adversary is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's John chapter 10, verse 10. His assignment will never, ever change. He wants to break you. Little does he know, like I said, he's only a pawn, P-A-W-N, in the hands of a very sovereign God. So what is a pawn? Some of you play chess, so you know what a pawn is. But I'm gonna give you the definition. Pawn is a person used by others for their own purposes. Okay, it's the smallest and least powerful piece in the game of chess. It's the piece that has the least value in the game of chess. So the pawn may think it has value, but it doesn't. The devil may think he has power, but he doesn't, okay? All right. So again, if you don't believe God uses Satan as a pawn, go back, like I said, and look at what happened to Jesus. So Satan is a pawn in the hands of God. What he thought was going to break you in the storm, the storms of life, is actually only going to make you. Make you into what? Make you into the vessel that God created you to be. So on the other side of through, discovering your purpose after the storm. That's what we're talking about on tonight. On the other side of through, discovering your purpose after the storm. So I always like to give the example of Moses and how our lives or our purpose is likened to that of Moses. So God sent Moses, he sent Moses into Egypt to learn the ways of Egypt. Then God brought Moses up out of Egypt only to send him back into Egypt to free the slaves who were still stuck in Egypt. So our lives and our purpose is likened to that of Moses. 
Every single one of us, we've been in Egypt. Your Egypt is whatever it is that God has delivered you from. Whatever it is that God has brought you out of, that is your Egypt. For some of you, maybe he brought you out of the strip clubs. Maybe he delivered you from drugs. Maybe he delivered you from gambling. Maybe he delivered you from uh, being promiscuous, fornicating, adultery. Maybe he delivered you from an abusive relationship. Maybe he delivered you from lying and manipulating people. Maybe he delivered you from being jealous. Maybe he delivered you from idolatry. Whatever he delivered you from, that was your Egypt. That was your Egypt. That was part of your storm. That was something that he allowed you to go through that the devil thought was going to break you. He thought you was going to die in that thing, but God brought you out of it. Why? So that he could send you back to free those who are still stuck in Egypt. Or in other words, send you back to free those who are still stuck in the same things that he brought you out of. So God don't waste pain. He never wastes pain. If if God removes that hedge of protection from around you and allows the devil to touch you, God is not going to waste that pain. Because remember, God only allowed the devil to get in to, through that hedge, that he opened up the hedge so that the enemy could come in because it fit into the big picture of your life that God created you for. Let's just say, for example, right? Um, God's called you to a homeless ministry, right? So... And I mean, let me just give my own testimony, right? So for me, I've always had a passion for homeless people ever since I was a little girl. Um, my grandmother, when she would just be driving, I would always be like, stop the car, stop the car. You know, there's a homeless person. Let's go get them something to eat. Let's give them this. Let's do this for them. Let's do that for them. So ever since I was a little girl, I always had a passion for homeless people. You know, that was my heart, but I had never been homeless. So it was nothing for me to... You know, as an adult, it was nothing for me to see a homeless person on the street, give them some money. You know, maybe I like to take them out to restaurants and sit down with them and actually have conversations with them. Because some of them, they, they, don't, they never get to talk to anybody. Some of them just need somebody to talk to. So I'm that one where I sometimes I won't just give them money. I'll go out and buy them whatever they want to eat. We'll sit down. We'll talk. God will minister to them. And, you know, they find out they got a purpose. They got a calling. Their past begins to make sense we pray and then I leave because my assignment is completed but going back to what I was saying so for me it was nothing for me to tell a homeless person to believe God for a house it was nothing for me to you know tell them the joy of the Lord is your strength because I had never been homeless that was really to them it was like I was just giving them words on a piece of paper words in a book you know, that didn't really, I had not been through what they went through, so I could not relate to them. So God began to call me into ministry, and one of the things that he called me to do was homeless ministry. So before I said yes to the calling, my life was perfect. Like, I was teaching, I was a high school band director, wasn't having no financial issues, bills were paid, like everything was great. As soon as I said yes to homeless ministry, I, and, and I had just published my first book as well. So I was like on cloud nine at the time. But as soon as I said yes to do homeless ministry, then my car broke down. All these other things started happening. Rent was due at the same time. So all these things just started happening and I had no control over it. And then 
I got so frustrated because I'm like, I just, you know, I talk to God like I'm talking to you. I like, that's my friend. That's my, he's my Lord. He's my savior. I don't have to be all thee, thou, and thus with him. I just talk to him and say what I'm feeling. So anyway, I, I got frustrated and I'm like, God, I just said yes to the call. And y'all who are getting this, God, we didn't do all this on last week. So Holy Spirit is giving this because somebody needs to hear this, right? I don't know who it is, but somebody on the replay needs to hear this testimony. So anyway, um, I just said yes to the call. And I'm like, I, I, as a matter of fact, I, I got hit with an eviction notice. And so me, I was like trying to beat the eviction notice because I have, I, at the time, I had a young daughter, toddler. And I'm like, okay, well everything's going to be okay. Let me just go get approved for another apartment um, before the eviction thing shows on my record. So I'm trying to run the clock down, trying to get into another apartment before they find out I'm about to get evicted from this one. So anyway, I went to this last final apartment complex and I had favor with the, um, the property manager. And so I, after I left, I was like, Lord, in my, I, I really thought I was going to be approved for it, but still I was like, Lord, if that ain't your will, close that door. I didn't think he was going to close the door, but I did pray that prayer because I've learned to always pray, Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. If the door ain't meant to be open, close it no matter how bad I want it open. So I prayed that prayer and I'm driving home, you know, just waiting to hear back from the property manager because I just know she's going to call me and say you're approved. Well, about halfway home, I get the call from the property manager and she's like, uh, we got some bad news. Um, we're not going to be able to approve you because we found out that you're facing an eviction from your current apartment. So at that time, I just, I, I pulled over into a park and I just broke down to crying. And I'm like, Lord, I don't understand. I just said yes to do your call. And I just said yes. So I don't understand why is this happening to me <laughs> and Holy Spirit um actually what happened it was lightly raining that day so as soon as I said I don't understand what's happening to me it, it started gushing down rain it started gushing down rain and there was this homeless guy in the park I'll never forget it when it started gushing down rain he got up from the park bench that he was on and he went over and stood underneath this oak tree and he had a cup in his hand and he was standing underneath the oak tree and he had the cup. It was so interesting, but he had the cup like halfway up to his mouth, but he was frozen. So I'm sitting there. I had just asked God, like, why is this happening to me? And then it starts pouring down rain and I'm staring at this guy and like, that's weird that he's standing there. And then Holy Spirit was like, what is that guy doing? And so I'm still staring at the guy because I'm like, it's really weird that he's just standing there. And so finally, I was like, God, he's standing still. And God was like, that's what I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to teach you how to stand still and know that I am God. I don't need your help. I don't need you trying to figure it out. I don't need you trying to race the clock to get into another. I just need you to be still, stand still and know that I'm God. That's when I learned that faith and trust is two different things. Faith means you believe God can do it. Trust is I know God will do it. So I'm not trying to help him. I have trust him enough where I'm going to stand still, not get in his way, not try to work things out, not try to figure things out, but stand still in the midst of the storm like that's, that homeless guy was doing. He says, I'm teaching you to stand still and know that I am God. And then he continued to minister to me. He was like, everything that you're getting ready to go through is preparing you for what you just said yes to. Then he started ministering to me about the homeless ministry and how I had never been homeless, but I'm going to come out on the 
the other side with my own place and I'll be able to minister to those who have been homeless and I'll be ministering in the homeless shelters. And he just told me basically what I was about to go through. So at that point, I dried up my tears. I put on my big girl underwear and I went on home and I part, I packed up my boxes and I had a total peace because I knew God was with me in the midst of that storm. So I packed up, I went to the homeless shelter. As soon as I went to the homeless shelter, God began to draw women to me that needed to be ministered to. Um, like they were Moses. They, 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 they had been through some things. Some of them were ex gang members. They were in the homeless shelter. They didn't know they had a purpose. They would never set foot in a church because a lot of times in the religion, you know, the religious community, they'll look down on people like that. So God sent me in the midst of the homeless shelter to minister to women and impart unto women who would never set foot up in a church. I'm praying for them to get a house. And I'm still sitting up in the shelter and I'm watching them get approved. I minister to one person, pray over them, they leave, they got a house. Next person, pray over them, minister to them, let them know what their purpose is, how God's hand is on their life, they leave. So it's like God is bringing them in, taking them out, bringing them in, taking them out. And I'm still sitting in there like, God, I'm praying for everybody else. When is gonna be my turn? <laughs> when is gonna be my turn to get out? He was like, I got you here. For them. You are that. Um, I wrote a book called The Burning Bush Anointing. So anyway, um, like I said, God is, we're like Moses. We're like Egypt. So the homeless shelter was like an Egypt for me. God brought me out of it. But now it's like, okay, now I could, at that time I could go back and minister to others who were still in those situations. So I hope this is all making sense to you. But God will sacrifice the life of one person for the good of many. He sacrificed my life in that storm putting me in a homeless shelter. Why? For the good of the many women that was going to be there who didn't know who they were in God. But God knew I was going to make it through. God knew I wasn't going to pull the trigger and blow my brains out because of the, the storm that I was going through. He anointed me to go through it. Jesus. Jesus was anointed for that storm. He was a life that was sacrificed for the good of many. Us. So when God allows you to go through a storm, He's looking at the bigger picture. He will sacrifice one life for the good of many. It's not that your life is going to be gone and your life is going to die. It's just you fall into the ground as a seed. That seed dies in the ground, but then that seed comes back up as a tree. And on that tree is like a lot of fruit. So yeah, you have to go into the ground and die for a moment in the storm, but God is going to raise you back up in the end of it, but he needs you to go through it so that you can birth out those people that are in your belly that's waiting on you to make it through that storm they need you they need your voice god i love you thank you because this none of this was said on none of this was said on last week so thank you holy spirit you, you got control over my tongue say what you want to say go however lo long you want to go on tonight you know exactly what the people need to hear, you know exactly what storms they're in, you know exactly what thoughts are going through their minds right now. 
you know, exactly the ones who think that they're in it and they're thinking that uh, you're mad at them, God, or that they're going through it because they're being punished or because they did something wrong. I thank you, Father, for letting them know tonight that they have not done anything wrong, but you handpicked them to go through, Father, because of what they've done right in the name of Jesus. Thank you for changing their perspective. Thank you for letting them know, Father, that your hand is upon them. And though it may be holding them down right now for a moment, thank you, Father, that as they submit to your will, your hand is going to lift and you, they'll raise up, Father. They will be established. And when you establish them, Father, they'll know that it was you who did it and not themselves. So thank you. Thank you for allowing them to trust you. Thank you for allowing them to trust you in the midst of the storm. Not just have faith, Father, but help them to trust you. Thank you for choosing them. Thank you for choosing them, Father. Thank you for counting them worthy to go through it. Thank you for counting them worthy. Thank you for counting me worthy, Father, for everything that you allow me to go through, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. My goodness. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Mm. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And I silence the mouth of every naysayer in the name of Jesus that will be speaking into their ears, trying to make them think that they did something wrong or that they're, they're reaping something that they sowed in their past. Satan, we silence your mouth right now in the name of Jesus. Father, I cover their ears under the blood of Jesus. Let the blood of Jesus be a barrier over their minds, over their thoughts, Father. Yes, Father, we uproot every thought, every satanic suggestion that will make them think, Father, that you're not with them and that, 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 that they're not chosen, that they're not worthy, or that they're suffering, Father, because of something in their past. We uproot those thoughts out of their minds in the name of Jesus and we send it back to the pits of hell. Thank you, Father. Thank you for choosing them. Thank you for planting them, Father, as a burning bush on the backside of the desert with Moses, God. Thank you, Father, that you planted them there. We know that a bush can't plant itself, Father. You planted them on the backside of the desert. You planted them in the storm, Father, so that they will be on fire but not consumed by the fire. So thank you, Father, that they're so on fire for you in those hot places, in the shelters, wherever they are, Father in the counseling sessions. Thank you that they are so on fire for you that those around them, Father, have no choice but to be like Moses and turn and see this thing. Why the bush is burning, but it's not consumed. So I thank you, Father, that as those Moses begin to turn and see the fire that is upon their lives, that you will open up their mouths, Father, and speak through them as a burning bush to those Moses and to those Mosettes. And I thank you, Father, that your fire will be on their word. Words. Your anointing will be on their words, Father. And I thank you that the words that come out of their mouth to every person that you bring across their paths, Father, those words are going to destroy yokes in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you. Thank you for the power that they carry. Thank you for your anointing that they carry. Thank you for your glory that they carry, Father. Thank you, Father, that they're transporting your glory into those places. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. They may not know why they went there. They may not know why they were sent there, Father, but your glory, 
We thank you for your glory. We thank you for your glory. Thank you, Holy Spirit. So moving on. Thank you, Jesus. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. It says, And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land unto a good land and a land a large unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Parasites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, therefore, and this is God talking to Moses. Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. And I've also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. So why were you chosen to go through the storm? You were chosen for the same reason that God just said to Moses, the cry of the people has come unto him. The people are being oppressed. There are people all around this world. They're crying out to God for answers. Their cries have reached the ears of God. And because their cries have reached the ears of God, God has you in the earth as an answer to their prayers. So because he's heard the cries of his people, he chose you. He chose you to be the answer. He chose you to be the deliverer in the name of Jesus. But in order for you to be that deliverer, you got to be delivered from something. You got to go through the storm. So he chose you because of their prayers, because of their oppression. Verse 10, it says, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So you you already dealt with Pharaoh. You know everything that Pharaoh going to try to pull because you've been through it and you escaped. So now when God sends you back to speak to Pharaoh, which is basically symbolic of the enemy, symbolic of Satan, you, you escape what Satan tried to do to you. You got power and you got authority. You got anointing now to rebuke him. You have authority over him, not only for your own life, but for the life of others. So God sends you back and God sends you to speak to Pharaoh, to tell him, let God's people go. You can speak to the devil and say, no, devil, you can't have them. No, I stand in the authority as a prophetic intercessor in this earth. And I say, not so in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I command you to loose them now. And because you're submitted to God and you're using the name of Jesus and you've been through the storm and you got the anointing on your life. When you speak those words, Satan has no choice but to let them go. But you had to go through the storm. You had to go through the storm. We're talking about on the other side of the storm, discovering your purpose on the other side of through. So you get your anointing in the midst of the storm. On the other side of the storm, now you can cast out devils. Now you can heal the sick. Now you can raise the dead because you've been through the storm and you got that anointing. Y'all have heard me say it before, salvation is free. It ain't really free because, like I said, it costs, G it costs God his only begotten son, Jesus. And even though Jesus was raised from the dead, it still cost him. He had to come to this earth and die. So it wasn't free for him, but it's free for us. So salvation is free. The anointing is going to cost you something, but the glory is going to cost you everything. So the Bible says many are called. 
you are chosen. Why is that? Some are not chosen because they stop at salvation and they think that, that they think that that's it. They stop at salvation and they think that now that I've confessed Christ, my assignment, my responsibility in the earth is just work this job, work this nine to five, pay bills, um, confess my own sins, stay under the blood, and I'm gonna be all right. Just you know, Lord, hurry up and come back because I'm waiting for you to come back so I can go to heaven. They think that's it. They stop at salvation. That is not it. If we, if our purpose was only to receive salvation, which salvation reconciles us back to God, it connects us back to God. If our purpose was only to receive salvation, then one, once we receive salvation, then God will bring us on back up to heaven because that was our purpose. But that's an, another reason that's not our assignment is because we were already with God before he set, brought, sent us to our mother's womb. So why would God separate us from himself only to come to this earth so we could receive Jesus so that we could come back to him? If that was it, then we never had to have left his presence in the first place. We could have just stayed with him. But he sent us here so that we could confess Jesus be reconciled back to him, but re be reconciled back to him so that we could figure out our purpose, so that he could reveal to us what he made us for, what he sent us to the earth to do. And he sent us to the earth to serve him and to serve people. It's not just about us. It's about serving others and serving other. It's serving God and serving people. So in discovering your purpose, you have to first identify what your Egypt is. What is your Egypt? What is that thing that God has brought you out of that others are still going through? So that's a big, very big piece of the puzzle when it comes to identifying or discovering your purpose. A lot of times the enemy tries to make people embarrassed about what God has brought them out of. Perfect example, you have a lot of people that God has delivered from homosexuality. But because of how the church or religious spirits look at those who have been caught up in homosexuality once they get delivered they won't tell nobody that they've been delivered because they're they're ashamed they're embarrassed of their past when the real reason that god even allowed them to not cause because god didn't cause it but he allowed it because god knew the big picture of their life was for them to minister to others who still caught up in that lifestyle so what better way for me, and I'm, when I say me, I'm speaking as God, what better way for me to uh, teach you compassion on those who are going through that than for me to allow you to go through it? So for God to allow you to go through something and he bring you out of it, for you to not tell others what he delivered you from or not tell others or minister to others from that place that you've been delivered from, that's a slap in the face to God because it was never about you in the first place. The only reason he allowed it was so that you could fall into the ground and die and multiply more people coming back to him being delivered out of the same things that he delivered you from. So in discovering your purpose, you have to identify what your Egypt is. All right, maybe you've been divorced. Maybe God delivered you from, I don't know, whatever it is. Those things, whatever the painful thing is that you've been through, that is part, that's your Egypt. Some people got a lot of different Egypts. So it could be a lot of things that he brought you from, brought, delivered you from. But everything that he's delivered you from, 
that's a piece of the puzzle to discovering what your purpose is. So go back. Some of you may need to get a journal and write down a list of the things that God has delivered you from. Maybe you were an orphan. Your parents weren't there for you. Your daddy wasn't there for you. Your mother wasn't there for you. Well, now that God has brought you through that, you can go and be a mentor to young girls or young boys who don't have their parents there. You can go and be a mentor in orphanages. Like God allowed you to go through it so you can get the anointing to break yokes off of those who are already st who are still in it. All right? So I challenge you, get yourself a journal, take inventory of your I want to say pain, but I'm not going to, I'm going to say take inventory of your pain, but then it's not really pain. It's really victory. Okay. But go back and look at the painful things that God has delivered you from and made you victorious over. Those things are connected to your purpose. Identify a way that you can, uh, you go back and reach those who are still going through those things. That's part of your purpose. So your purpose is to be a minister. We're all called to be ministers, all right? So that doesn't mean that you're gonna be called behind a pulpit to preach. It doesn't. As a matter of fact, we got too many behind the pulpit right now and not enough people out in the world. I shared a dream on last week. God gave me a prophetic dream. This was some years ago when he was first calling me into my calling as a prophet. But in this dream, um, I was in a church building and in the church, I was watching everything that was going on. I wasn't actually... Um, participating in it. I was more like witnessing what was going on. But I was in a church building and I was witnessing everybody in the church just clapping and singing and shouting. And the light was up in the church. And while I'm seeing the light in the church, I could see outside of the church. Outside of the church, it's like the more the light got brighter in the church the outside of the church the world was getting darker so i could see the light getting bigger in the church but outside the moon was beginning to go out the light from the moon was going out the light from the stars was going out all of the light like all of the light 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 posts every all of the light was going out and i was trying to get the attention of those in the church saying hey the world, the light is going out in the world. We need to take the light out of the church and put it in the world. And they didn't hear me. They didn't listen to me. And when the dream ended, the whole world, like outside was completely dark. Outside was completely dark. But that was a prophetic dream because it shows what's going on in the world today. We got a lot of people in church. They come to church on Sunday. They get their hit like it's a drug. Oh, I want to shout today. I want to jump, feel good, feel high today. And then I'm good until next Sunday. They never go out into the world and try to be a light. As a matter of fact, they go out into the world and contribute to the darkness instead of trying to be a light. But that dream was prophetic because that's not what God has in mind for his church. It was never his intention for the light to be trapped in the church. He made us light so that we could go out into the world to be light in the world because once light shows up the darkness has to go but if light never shows up it's gonna stay dark and it's gonna get darker so your assignment not necessarily to go behind a pulpit if that's what god has called you to do do whatever he's told you to do but he's calling a lot of people right now there are seven mountains of society we have the mountain of um, business we have the mountain of faith religion which is a church that's the mountain everybody want to flock to and preach you know but we got the mountain of business faith religion we have education health care arts and entertainment music 
politics, governments, and judicial systems. So those are all the different mountains or pillars of society in this world. If everybody's flocking to that faith religious mountain, then all these other mountains stay in darkness. So what God is doing, he's not putting people on that faith religion mountain. It's oversaturated on that mountain right now. It's oversaturated right now. So what God is doing, he's raising up fiery ones. He's raising up fiery servants, ministers who will go and be lights and fire and prophets on the mountain of business, healthcare, doctors, lawyers. Maybe you're a beauty salon owner, wherever you are, your workplace, your job, he's sending you out wherever you are, wherever your expertise is, whatever your industry is, he's sending you out on that mountain to take over that mountain for the kingdom of light. When you show up on the mountain, darkness has to go. We're talking about discovering your purpose on the other side of through. So you ain't got to run to the church to find out what your purpose is. Your purpose is where God has planted you. All right. So where has he planted you? What are your giftings? What are your talents? What are your abilities? What are your abilities? And I, um, I was speaking the last week. One of the questions was asked, well, I'll get to that in the end. So let me go back to what I was saying. So your purpose is to be a minister. We're all called to be ministers. So while many use the word minister as a title, it's not actually a title, okay? It's a verb. Minister literally means to serve. So minister means to serve. It's not a title. It's the Greek word diakonos, D-I-A-K-O-N-O-S, meaning to be a waiter, a servant, or anyone who performs a service or an administrator. So your purpose is to be a servant. I said that. You want to be a servant to God and you want to be able to serve other people. Servant to God and a service to others. So a lot of times when people are trying to discover their purpose in life, they focus too much on self. They focus on what's in it for them. You know, how they can get famous, how they can get all the material things like money, cars, houses, jewelry, designer labels, things of vanity. Vanity is vain. It's very vain. But that's what they focus on. So it's all about them and what they're trying to manifest instead of what God, God desires to do through them. So that's not the kingdom way. The kingdom way is to be a servant. And I'm going to read Matthew chapter 20, verses 20 through 28. It says, then came to him, and him is Jesus, then came to Jesus, the mother of Zebedee's children, with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said unto her, what wilt thou? She said unto him, grant that these two, grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on the left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, ye know not what ye ask. Are ye able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They say unto him, we are able. And he said unto them, ye shall drink indeed of my cup. Remember that bitter cup I was just talking about a few minutes ago? Yeah, a lot of people want to be sitting, sitting high and mighty in the kingdom of God, but they don't want to go through nothing. They don't want to drink from the cup Jesus wanted. But they want to sit right there beside him like, okay, no, it don't work like that. Jesus is telling them it don't, it don't work like that. No, so you got to drink from this bitter cup that I'm drinking from. And you got to be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. And that's fire. Fire, fire is hot. So it ain't something that you really want to go through. But if you want to sit by Jesus, 
That's what you're going to have to go through. He said, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. And when the 10 heard it, they were moved with indignation against the two brethren. Basically, like, how dare you ask to be to sit to sit at the right hand of Jesus? Don't you see all of us here? So what's going to happen with us? That's basically what they were probably thinking, right? But they probably wanted the same thing. But anyway, but Jesus called unto them unto him and said, Ye know that the princes of the Gentiles exercise dominion over them, and that they are great exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Or in other words, let him be your servant. All right? So whosoever desires to be great, let him be your servant. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered to, but to minister. Or in other words, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus is the blueprint. Jesus is the blueprint for our lives. Jesus is a blueprint for our ministries, our assignments, our purpose. So just like he said, he himself came not to be served, but to serve. That's your assignment. After you make it through the storm, when you get to the other side of through, it's not for you to be served by people. It's for you to serve other people. So we're connecting the dots. You got your Egypt. You looked at what God has brought you out of. What are all your different Egypts? What are your gifts, your talents, your abilities that God has equipped you with? And how can you put those things together so that you can serve other people? I gave the example of ministering in the orphanages, you know, if you've been not with your father or with your mother. So just giving out examples to get your brain going, get you thinking. All right. So we are all called to serve. We're all called to minister, to serve God and to serve man according to the perfect will of God. So again, if Jesus came to serve, then your assignment is also to serve. All right. And then I was saying a few minutes ago, the Bible says many are called, few are chosen. That's Matthew chapter 22, verse 14. So the storms... The storms that we go through is part of the process God uses to take us from being called to being chosen. Remember I was saying salvation is free. The anointing is going to cost you something. The glory costs you everything. In order for you to be chosen, you need an anointing upon your life. Why do you need the anointing? Because it's the anointing that's going to break yokes and set other people free. Dest destroy the yokes that's holding other people in bondage. So you need the anointing in order to be chosen, but in order to get the anointing, you have to go through something. I like to give the example of crushed olives. In order to get the olive oil, the olive has to be crushed. Oil is symbolic of Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is our power. Holy Spirit is the oil. He is the anointing that operates through us. He is the dunamis power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. That's the anointing. That's the anointing that we need. That's what that's what makes us chosen when we have that anointing. But the thing is, you got a lot of people, they don't want to be crushed. They want to be they want to be olive oil, but they don't want to be crushed. They don't want to go through nothing. They want to always feel good. So that's why it says many are called, few are chosen because those a lot of the ones that are called, they abort the they abort the process. They abort their storms. 
Sometimes God may want them to go through something. They don't want to go through it. It's a perfect example that I gave when I said yes to uh, the homeless ministry. And God was like, everything that I'm getting ready to prepare you, uh, everything you're getting ready to go through is preparing you for what you just said yes to. I could have aborted the process and said, no, God, the cost is too great. I don't want to go through this. I don't want me and my daughter to be sitting up in a homeless shelter. No, God, you know, pick somebody else for this. This is too heavy. I don't want this. I, I could have did that. And I, I could have said that because we have free will, but free will really ain't free. When God calls you to do something, you do it. And if you don't do it, there are consequences and repercussions for not following his will. And I ain't going to get into that because that's a whole nother lesson about free will. Free will ain't free. Whatever God tells you to do, whatever he has chosen you to do, called you to do, do that. If you do anything else, you're operating outside of his safety. That's why you have people dying premature deaths, being in places they're not supposed to be instead of being what God told them to be. When they do that, they're outside of God's safety. So, but anyway, the reason many are not chosen is because they abort the process that is required to be chosen. They avoid the crushing. It's in the storms of life that our motives are purified. So we got to go through those storms of life in order to be chosen. It's in the storms of life that our character is purified. You don't know what's in you until you've been pressed. You can say all day that you this and that and you, you know, Jesus Jr. You can say that all day. However, when you press, that's what's really in you going to show up. That's when your true character going to show up. Anybody can say they're a Christian. Anybody can say they're a believer. But what shows up when you're pressed? That's who you really are. And that's that's why we get in those storms and those fires. It's like God is purifying our character. He's transforming our character from being us into being his character, to being the character of Jesus. Or as the Bible also says, the fruit of the spirit. So it's in the storms that we unlearn the things and the ways of the world and relearn the things and the ways of God, our father. Because remember, we already knew his ways before he separated us and sent us down into our mother's womb. He already knew us. He already knew us. First Peter chapter four, verses 12 through 14. It says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. So he was saying, it's not strange. Don't be surprised that you're going through the fire. You should expect to go through the fire. Think it not strange. Think it not strange that you're going to the fire. Verse 13, but to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exultation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. So when it says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal, that word fiery ordeal is actually the Greek word puro, is P-U-R-O-O, and it means a burning, a refining, to be purified by fire. It means made to glow. And I talked about that glowing last week. You can tell people that's been through the fire, they just got to glow. They, they Their countenance is light. You can see it all over. When Moses came down from the mountain, his face was so shining with the light that he had to cover his face with a veil. 
So you can see those who've been in the presence of God. You can see those who've been in that fire because they have a glow. They don't have to open up their mouth and tell you they're a Christian or a believer. You see the glow on them. And then you got others that try to do a fake glow. And I gave this example last week. You got some, they got to put on the, um, I don't wear a lot of makeup, so I don't know the name for it, but I, it's like a foundation or something that they use to put a fake glow, like contour their face with makeup, but it's like highlighting their forehead and highlighting their cheeks and their chin and their nose to make it look like it's a glow, but it's a fake glow. But when you really been through that fire, it ain't nothing fake about your glow. You ain't got on no makeup and you glowing like your forehead just shining like new money. <laughs> but it's a glow. That's Holy Spirit on you because you've been through that fire and everybody sees it. Everybody sees it on you. That's why you can walk in a room and you ain't done nothing to nobody. And then demons just start acting up. It's because they see that glow on you. It's because they see that you're, you're oh, that's a, that's a real one right there. That's a fiery one right there. So they start having problems with you and you ain't even done nothing to them. And that's why you got to be quick to forgive them because it ain't even the person. It's the demon in the person who recognize, oh, that's one right there. They got authority to cast us out. That's one right there that just showed up. They got fire. They got the anointing. They got hope. So those demons, they will manifest and try to make your life miserable. But you just have to laugh in their face and be like, okay, that's just confirmation that I'm chosen. Yeah. Because you walked in the room. So let that be your confirmation that you glowing and that you chosen. Because you've been through that storm. You got the anointing. You carrying that glory. It's resting on you. All right. 2 Corinthians verse 4, 16 through 18. It says, um, for which cause we faint not. But though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our, oh, this, yeah, one of my favorite scriptures, y'all. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. I did a whole teaching. It's still up on my website about the fight is over the light. So when it says our light affliction, it don't mean that what you're going through ain't heavy. I broke it down and basically kind of released a prophetic word that it's the light affliction. Like God will allow you to go through things to get the light out of you. So yeah, you're afflicted and you're going through the storm, but God allows you to go through the storm because he knows it's going to produce more light. So it's a light affliction. And when you come out of that affliction, now you got that great weight of his glory resting on you where you just show up and you just light up the atmosphere because you got that weight of glory. So go back and listen to that lesson if you haven't listened to it. So some believers, they have no sense of purpose. I said this, they feel like their purpose is to accept Jesus in their hearts as their Lord and Savior, and that's it. That's not what it is. So we are sent here to be servants. We're sent here to multiply sons back to God the same way Jesus did, same way Jesus did. So how do you multiply sons back to God? What the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So what you do, you go out, you be a disciple of Christ, you teach others the Word of God, unadulterated, uncompromised. 
You teach them about Holy Spirit. You teach them how to be a disciple. You preach the word. And as you preach the word, they're going to catch fire. And then they'll start being led by Holy Spirit. And then they'll become a son of God. And then they'll go out and do the same. So when you are a disciple of Christ, and when you're walking in your purpose, and you're going out and you're sharing Jesus with others, you are helping to multiply sons back to God. So that is part of your purpose. After you come through the storm, your assignment is to multiply sons back to God. Teach people about Jesus. Teach people how to find their way back to God. Teach people about Holy Spirit. How it's only through Holy Spirit that we can live this successful walk as a believer. Otherwise, they're going to be failing and they're not going to be sons because they're going to be led by their flesh and not the spirit. So you got to teach them these things that you already know. And then it helps them to mature into a son of God. And like I said, then they go out and they teach others. So that's your assignment wherever you are, whether you're called to do that in your beauty salon, your job, wherever you are, entrepreneur, wherever, wherever God has you planted, it's not about a paycheck. He has you there to be a light and to help multiply sons back to God. So you tell them about God, tell them about Jesus. Don't mean you got to walk around with a shirt on saying I'm a Christian. Only fake folks have to do that. People will see the real fire on you. They'll, God will send them to you. I liken it to like, um, y'all know the fly zapper? With the fly zapper, you have it. You hang it out on your porch, and it's got this light, and the flies are attracted to the light, and when they come to the light, they get zapped. So that's what it is. Like God has you in that place where you are, the workplace. You're like that fly zapper. And by the way, another word for Satan is Beelzebub, which means Lord of the Flies. So... God puts you there as that light, that fly zapper. And then all these people carrying these spirits are drawn to your light. And when they come to your light, because you ain't being religious, you know, wearing a t-shirt and bumper stickers and all that stuff, they're just drawn to you. The Bible says, if I be lifted up to the earth, from the earth, I'll draw all men unto me. So you just there minding your business, being a light. And all these people are coming to that light. And when they come to you, they get zapped. <laughs> the devil gets zapped. And how does that happen? Well, a lot of times it happens where they're just drawn to you that you may, they may sit down with you at the lunch table on your break or in the break room or whatever. And then they just start opening up about things that's happening in their life. Well, they don't know you. They don't know you on that level to be opening up, but God sent them there because God knew that he could open, you know, speak to that person through you, that you wouldn't be ashamed or embarrassed to minister to that person in the break room. So they were attracted to your light. God sent them to you so he could zap them evil spirits up out of that person through you, through the authority of Jesus. So that's your assignment. It's part of your assignment. Now, another part of your purpose is to occupy until Jesus returns. Oh, let me throw this in there too, because I, um, I was saying last week that part of your assignment too is to be a sleeper spot sleeper spot that's a military term so a lot of times people blow their cover on the mountains that he's called them to or in the workplace it's like god has sent you to be that light god has sent you to be that fly zapper but you exposing who you are before it's time they don't need to know who you are you don't need to walk around uh quoting bible scriptures all the time and beating people over the head with the bible all you got to do is just show up and stay there 
observing the land, observing the territory, spying out the land, spying out the atmosphere to see what's there as a sleeper spy. Go and look up the definition of sleeper spy on Google when you get a chance and it'll show you exactly how you're to operate. But sleeper spies, they operate in stealth mode. They go undetected and they go undetected un until it's time for them to activate and go to war. So your assignment is to be a sleeper spy in the place that he's planted you on the mountain that he's planted you. So they think you're there is just one of them, but they don't know that God has you planted there to take over for the kingdom of light. So don't blow your cover. Don't blow your cover. You ain't got to be quoting 10,000 scriptures. Just be there in stealth mode and wait for God to bring those people to you. And then don't even worry about what you're going to say when he brings those people to you. In the time that it's time for you to speak, God will tell you what to speak in that hour. That's the Bible. I can't remember exactly what scripture it is, but it says, don't worry about what you're to say to them, for I'll tell you what you're to say to them when it's time for you to speak to them. You just make sure you know your Bible. You make sure you know the word so that when it's time for that word to come up out of you, it's in you. So Holy Spirit can call it and draw it up out of you. So get into your words so you can minister to others effectively because it's the word that's the sword. It's that word that's going to cut through, not your opinions, not your advice, not your counsel. When they come to you and God send them to you, you got to give them the word. What does the word say? Not sugarcoated either. Say it exactly how the Bible says it. Say it exactly how God says it. That's part of your purpose. All right, so moving on. Luke chapter 19, verses 10 through 13. It says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, Therefore, a certain noble man went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. So going back, we're talking about your purpose, what God has called you to do, discovering your purpose on the other side of through. So when it says that Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost, Sometimes people say that he came to seek and save the lost. That's not what the Bible says. It says he came to seek and save that which was lost. Well, that which was lost was our dominion. And it was lost when Adam and Eve fell in the garden. We lost our dominion. We gave it over to the devil. So we forfeited our dominion. So Jesus came back down to the earth to take our dominion back. He took that authority back from Satan and he gave that authority back over to us and we have to use that authority. So Jesus came to seek and to save our dominion, our authority to give that back to us. So Jesus got it back and then he said, occupy till I come. Now occupy is a military term also. So Jesus came and he gave us our dominion back. He gave us our authority back. And he's saying, now that I gave it back to you, I need you to occupy till I come. Well, what does occupy mean? It means control and possession of hostile territory that enables an invading nation to establish military government against an enemy or martial law against rebels or insurrectionists in its own territory. So basically, Jesus is saying, I came to get that dominion and that authority back that God originally gave you 
through Adam and Eve that was lost. I came to get it back and to give it to you. And now I need you to take, maintain control and possession of it. In this earth that the devil thinks is his, I need you to occupy in this authority until I come back. It's also known as belligerent, belligerent, hostile, and aggressive occupation. That reminds me of scripture. Matthew 11 and 12 says, From the days of John the Baptist unto now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. So we ain't just sitting out here all passive and scary and being jellyback. We stand in the authority of Jesus and it's a hostile and aggressive takeover where the kingdom of light, no, we're standing in our dominion. We're standing in our authority. We're not flinching. We're not running. We're not tucking our tails. We're standing in that dominion because God gave it back to us through Jesus. So your purpose is to be a bold soldier in the army of God. You can't be timid. You can't be scared. You can't be scared. Okay, you can't be concerned with people's opinions and you cannot be afraid of their faces. They can roll their eyes all they want to. As long as you know you in that Bible and you know you in the word, they can't say nothing or do nothing. They can get mad all they want to. But as long as you in that Bible, as long as you speak in God's word, the way he said, say it, it don't matter. Their faces don't matter. All right. And that's the type of boldness that only comes from Holy Spirit and you being submitted and yielded to God's Holy Spirit. So your purpose is Luke chapter four, verses 17 through 20. That's your purpose. That's another part of your purpose. And that's Jesus in the synagogue. It says, and there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister and sat down, and the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. That's your assignment too. That's your assignment. The spirit of the Lord is upon you because he has anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent you to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent you to preach a deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That's it. That's part of your assignment. So Holy Spirit comes upon you to do something, to do something says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to do something. Not just to remain stagnant waiting for Jesus to come back. Holy Spirit is there for you to do something. So a lot of people want to be anointed, but they don't want to do nothing. And that's why they're not anointed. The anointing is to do something. Not just something, but the anointing is to do exactly what Jesus read in the synagogue but you're doing it on the mountain that God has called you to. Because remember, everybody ain't called to the faith of religious mountain. So whatever mountain you're on, you preach the gospel to the poor on that mountain. You speak words that's going to heal the brokenhearted on that mountain. You preach deliverance to the captives on that mountain. And it's going to work because you got the anointing on your life to break the yokes off those captives. That's what, That was the purpose of the storm. 
one of my um favorite scriptures well no, i got so many favorite scriptures but another one of my favorite scriptures and also one of the scriptures um god called me into ministry on jeremiah 1 5 said this a few minutes ago before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet unto the nations. So new is the Hebrew word yada. Yada means acquainted with. So basically, I'm going to give you all the definitions of not yada, but I'm going to reread that scripture. So God is saying, before I formed thee in the belly, I was acquainted with you. I clearly understood you. I cohabited with you. That means you live together. I directed you, so he gave you your instructions. This is before you even drop down into your mother's womb. I disciplined you. You were a familiar friend. I had relations with you. So in other words, there was a divine conception that he put inside of you, something that you were to birth out once you hit this earth. So when you go through those things, you go through the storm, you're birthing out what God has put in you, all right? And it means I had knowledge of you. I informed you. I instructed you. We were intimate friends. I knew assuredly and I knew you well. So God is saying that not only to Jeremiah, but to you as well. So because God knew you before he put you in this earth, that means that nothing that has happened in your life has ever been a surprise to him. Either he allowed it or he orchestrated it. Either he allowed it or he orchestrated it. So either he allowed the storm or he orchestrated the storm. And like I said in the beginning, he'll only allow it if it's going to help with that big picture puzzle of your life. So if it fits into his plan for your life, he's going to allow it. So he'll allow the devil to touch you because he knows that the devil is only going to be used as a pawn. It's going to backfire in his face. When it's all said and done, everything that he tried to break you with in the storm, it's going to backfire in his face. All right. So either he allowed it or he orchestrated it. And so I'm going to give you an example, the per permissive will of God versus the perfect will of God. So a lot of times he will allow it in his permissive will. My story, some of y'all have heard it before me being in an abusive marriage before i got married i knew that this was not the man i was supposed to marry but i was hard-headed i wanted what i wanted and so even though god was telling me no and i was a i was a baby christian at the time i really was in rebellion because i was mad at god because my grandmother died and i was really didn't want to hear nothing about god um so i was in a very rebellious state and even though I knew that I was not supposed to marry this man, I married him anyway. And so God allowed that. So I was permitted to go through those things. I was permitted to go through those storms because God knew that on the other side that I also had a ministry that ministers to abuse women, uh, women who've been physically abused or went through domestic violence. So it wasn't his perfect will for me to go through it, but because it fit into my calling and my assignment, God allowed it to happen. And I'll never forget, after I came through the abusive marriage, after I came through it, I was on my job and one of my coworkers who had also been in an abusive marriage, she, we were in this circle, we were in this like huddle, just talking amongst ourselves as coworkers. And I remember her pointing me out because it was some other girls in the circle who had been through abuse as well. Some were already, you know, still going through abuse. And she called me out and was like, yeah, she just, she just came out of an abusive marriage and God did this for her and blah, blah, blah. 
And so I remember looking at her like, how dare you tell them my business? Like, I don't want nobody to know what I've gone through, especially my coworkers. But in that circle, those other girls started crying because of my testimony and because we were ministering God's word. So that's how God actually began to show me the purpose of that storm that he allowed me to go through. It's like, no, you can't be ashamed to share your testimony because I allowed you to go, didn't cause it. I want to make that clear. I didn't cause you to go through it, but I allowed you to go through that abuse so that you could do what you're doing right now in this circle. And that is minister to other women who are going through abuse and need a way out. So it wasn't the perfect will of God, but it was his permissive will because it fit into the puzzle. So look at some of the things. I don't care what it is that you've been through, no matter how painful it was, no matter how you feel like you shouldn't have went through it, God allowed it only because it fits into his big picture of your life. So don't throw that part of your life away. Really sit down before God and say, God, one, heal me. No, one, I forgive them for what they did to me. So whatever it was, you have to forgive them because it wasn't them. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against all these spirits. So it's never the person it's always the devil working through the person. So the devil had to work through them in order to get to you, to try to break you, to keep you from walking in your purpose. So you have to forgive that person for doing what they did. Be like Jesus and say, Father, forgive them for they knew not what they did. They know not what they do. They honestly don't know. When a person is under the influence of a demon, they don't know that what they're doing is wrong because they're operating under a spirit, a strong man of deception. They really think that they're right. So, Father, forgive them for they knew not what they did. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know they were being used by the devil. And by you forgiving them, that releases you to receive your healing from whatever it was that happened to you. You have to forgive them first by choice and then the healing comes later but also because you forgive them now it frees you up to walk into your purpose now it frees you up to receive the anointing upon your life because if you don't forgive them then you will never walk in your purpose because god you can't even pray to god when you're operating in unforgiveness that's the bible the bible says if you come to god and you remember that you have ought against your brother get up from your prayer get up from what you're doing and go back and make it right with that brother and then come back to god and it also says in matthew 18 that if you don't forgive then god will not forgive you either so there's no way you can have that relationship with god and walk in your purpose and think that he's going to reveal to you all the things that he needs to say to you when you're operating in unforgiveness because you're operating from a stuck place. So it's my prayer that whatever it is that you went through, whatever was the permissive will of God, whoever hurt you, the Holy Spirit gives you that strength to forgive and let it go, okay? So God does not waste trouble. If he allowed it, again, he only allowed it because he knows the big picture he created for your life and he understands that no trouble no pain is ever wasted when it's surrendered to him. So even the things God did not cause to happen, he still uses it for his glory. We have to understand that. Okay? And not only will that help us to forgive, but it'll also help us to stop having pity parties about the things that we go through. We'll stop having those pity parties because we know that God, though the devil meant it for evil, 
God allowed it for your good. All right. And that's Genesis chapter 15, verses 19 through 21. That's where Joseph, Joseph was speaking to his brothers. You know, they had sold him into slavery. He got thrown in the pit, prison, all those things only to be raised up to be another type of deliverer. And then he had to deliver his brothers. They showed up. They didn't know it was him, but he had to come back face to face with them. And he said, look, okay, fear not. I'm not out to get you. I'm not out to hurt you. Yeah, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for my good. Okay, so you got to let people go. You got to forgive people. And forgiving, just to be clear, forgiving does not mean you have to go back to that person. Forgiving means you forgive them in the presence of God. If you can't go back to that person and, you know, make things right, then you just come before God and say, Father, I release it in the name of Jesus. I forgive them. So doesn't mean forgiveness does not mean you have to go back. Forgiveness does not mean that you don't set boundaries. So you can still set boundaries even with forgiving a person. Forgiving them just means that you're freeing them up from what they did to you. So you're not expecting revenge, retaliation, none of that. You're letting it go and you're putting it all in God's hands. That's what forgiveness is. So every person God used or worked through in the Bible had to endure some sort of storm or trial before they fulfilled their purpose. So Abraham and Sarah, they had to deal with barrenness, a jealous mistress, and her son who wasn't even a promise. Noah had to deal with rejection, folk probably calling him crazy and mocking him because he's out here building an ark and ain't never rained before. He's talking about rain. Well, what is rain? We ain't a, what is rain? rejection hurts so he had to go through that storm of rejection Moses was on the run from Pharaoh he stayed on the backside of the desert for 40 years Joseph again he had to deal with his jealous brothers David had to deal with the rejection from his father and his brothers and then he had to run from jealous King Saul who was trying to kill him and the list goes on but everybody that God uses they have to go through that storm first that storm is a place of development. It's a place of refining. But nothing that any of those characters went through caught God by surprise. Same for you. Nothing you went through has caught God by surprise. God knew the pressure that would be required for his character to be developed in them. So the devil thought he was winning against each and every one of those characters in the Bible. But again, he was only a pawn in the hands of a very sovereign God. So you have to understand that anything that ever happened to you happened for you. Okay? Get that mindset. It didn't just happen to you. This happened for you. God was getting you ready for the assignment. He was getting you ready for your purpose. All right? All right. Make sure I'm not missing anything. Yeah. All right. So Matthew twenty-two fourteen, I said, for many are called, few are chosen. Yeah. The Bible says many are called, but few are chosen. That's exactly what it means. That's exactly what it means. The chosen ones have an anointing to destroy yokes. You got that through the storm. The chosen ones have an anointing to cast out demons. You got that through the storm. The chosen ones lay hands on the sick and they are healed. They raise the dead. You got that power and the authority through the storm. All right. And like I said, to go from being called to being chosen, we cannot and must not abort God's process. 
That process involves him allowing you to be crushed so he can build you back up again. The crushing is to get the world out of you and to develop his fruit inside of you, to make you one with him so that like Jesus, you do nothing except what you see him do. You do nothing except what you see the father do. And you say nothing except what you hear the father say. When you are one with him, one with God, you can move as God in the earth because you're one with him. So life is a history lesson you walk through to learn how you grew to become so great. So as you're going through your storm, just think about it as one, like I said, God knew you before, before he formed you in your mother's womb. Then he dropped you into the earth and rewound your life. And now you're walking through it. So everything that you walk through is like a walk through history. You're learning how you became and grew to be this great person, this great vessel that God created you to be. But you had to start back at the beginning and walk through it. So it's oftentimes in the storms the character is developed. It's oftentimes in the storms that the fruit of the spirit is developed in you. It's Galatians 5, through 23, where it talks about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. So you get those things through the storm. You get thrown into a gymnasium where it's going to work that stuff out, where you have no choice but to develop faith, develop gentleness temperance, meekness, all of that. You have to work it out through the storm. John chapter 12, verses 24 through 25, it says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. So, Again, you went through the storm, you were that grain of wheat falling into the ground and dying so that you could do what? Produce much fruit, multiply more sons in the earth, all right? And I am almost done. I'm closing with this. So we're talking about the storm. I've talked about this discovering your purpose after the storm on the other side of through. So I've told you how, you know, you, you go through the storm, you get the anointing to cast out demons and all of these things that you need to be able to do to walk in your purpose and allow God to use you on the earth. Well, I want to back that up with scripture about how you go through the storm and then that power is demonstrated on the other side of through. So let's look at Matthew chapter 14 verses 22 through 36. I'm not going to read the whole thing. You read it. Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. This was right after Jesus had and his disciples had finished feeding the multitude with the two fish and the five loaves of bread. Um, it talks about how Jesus went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. I want to touch on that for a moment. So before God uses you, before God works through you, 
um, once you come through the storm, before he sends you out to do those things, he will call you apart so that it's just you and him. So he went up, Jesus went up to that mountain apart to pray. He was there alone. So some of you before, you know, you've been through the storm, you still don't understand what your purpose is. It could be because you have not allowed God to isolate you where it's just you and him. Get everybody out of your ear. Just get maybe consecrate yourself for a month, however long the Lord says, but really get before him, spend some alone time with God as he makes sense of your past, as he makes sense of everything that you've gone through and begins to put the puzzle of your life together to reveal to you what your purpose is in this earth. So I wanted to highlight that, that Jesus went up into a mountain apart to pray before the storm hit. So after he went up to the mountain to pray, the evening was come, he was there alone. And then it goes on to talk about um, how they were on the boat and when they were going over, they came into the land of Genesaret. A storm arose, a storm arose. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought into him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touch were made perfectly whole. So after they, Jesus and the disciples went through the storm, after they went through it, then they got to the other side and what happened? They began to bring him all those people that needed to be healed from their diseases, people that needed to be delivered. They touched the hem of his garment. Well, you are the hem of Jesus's garment in the earth. So they're gonna be touching you, but you went through the storm because God knew that as soon as you got out of the storm and you stepped foot on the shore, he was going to bring all these people to you that need healing, that need deliverance, that need to be set free. But you had to go through the storm first. The disciples, they had to go through the storm first. As soon as they hit dry land, that's when they had to cast out demons. All right. So that's one example. The last example is, and then I'm closing with this. Um, where is it? Show me, Holy Spirit. I have so many notes that I'm kind of skipping over right now that I went through last week, but I don't think it's for this week. This is, and read this as well in your timing, but this is Luke chapter 8, verses 22 through 56. Read that. Luke chapter 8 verses 22 through 56. So this is the second example of there being a storm and as soon as they get through the storm, right as soon as they set foot on the shore, they have to cast out demons. So that's when Jesus told the disciples get into the boat, we're going to the other side. As soon as they got into the boat to go to the other side, the storm arose. And as soon as they got to the other side, as soon as they touch ground, then here comes the man who was possessed of demons. And that demon had to be cast out of that man. But they had to go through the storm first. They had to go through the storm to get the anointing. And then after you go out, get to the other side, then you step foot into your purpose. So I'm closing with this. You've been through storms. Many of you have been through storms. Again, some of you are at the beginnings of the storm. Some of you are at the middle of your storm. Some of you are at the end of your storm. Um, some of you are already out of the storm. But if you're already out of the storm, your thing right now is to start looking for people who need the anointing that you got in the storm. 
who needs demons cast out of them? Who needs to be healed? Who needs to be set free? Who needs shackles broken? Who needs yokes broken? That's why you went through the storm. You went through the storm for them. So start looking for those people. Start looking for those ministry opportunities. Ministry means serving opportunities. So may God show you those areas where you can serve him. And that's all I have on tonight. So I did want to bring up um, one question that was asked on last week because I thought it was a really, really great question. But one of the young ladies, um, she asked, is it possible for you to have more than one Egypt or you like more than one assignment? And we talked about the difference between giftings and ability, giftings and skills and talents and all of that. So what Holy Spirit led me to tell her was, yes, you can have more than one Egypt. Like I said, some things, you know, you just look at the things that God has brought you out of. Look at the things that God has delivered you out of. Then you match your Egypt to your gift. Your gift is whatever God has called you to do and assigned you to do. That can't nobody do it like you can do it. That's a gift. A lot of times people confuse gifts and skills. They confuse their, every person is born with a gift. They're born with something that can't nobody do it like you can do it. You can wake me up at 3 a.m. One of my gifts is teaching the word. You can wake me up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I can preach a sermon. That's, that's just my gift. You can wake me up at 1 a.m. and I can just go out and minister to somebody because that's my gift. I can speak to people. I can speak to strangers. That's my gift. And it's it's a way that I connect that God has gifted me to be able to connect with people where he may not give somebody else to connect with them in the same way. So gifting is something that can't nobody do the way, the way you do it like you do it. That's a gift. A skill is something that you go out and learn, something that you were taught and you can teach somebody else how to do it just like you do it. And I gave the example. One of my skills is that I do websites. So I taught myself HTML, hypertext markup language. So I taught myself how to design websites. I taught myself how to do resumes. I taught myself how to do a whole lot of things that I can go out and teach other people how to do as well. I can play a musical instrument. I can teach people how to you know, write a script. For a perfect example, I write stage plays. I write scripts. But can't nobody write a script like I write a script. I know that. Like, I've, I've gotten so many compliments off my scripts. I know it's a gift. I don't do rewrites on my scripts. I write it, and it's done, and people love it. But that's a gift. A skill is I may learn how to format the script. I may learn how to format the book. That's something I can teach other people to do it. They can format it, but they can't write it like me. So some of you, maybe you do hair. Um, maybe you do braids. Well, you can teach somebody how to braid hair, you know, that, that could be a skill. Unless it's a special way that you braid hair that can't nobody do it like you do it. Well, that's a gift because that means your hands are anointed to do it a certain way. But you need to be able, when, with trying to discover your purpose, you need to be able to determine what are your gifts, what are your skills. Lay your skills aside. Yes, you will need your skills because it can help you while you're doing what God has called you to do. But the skills is not the big part of the assignment. The big part of the assignment is your gifts. So look at your gifts, match your gifts with your Egypt, and boom, now you got your calling. So you may need two, you may need a few different journals. <laughs> Take inventory of what all your gifts are. Take inventory of all the things that God has brought you through and then match them together and God will reveal to you what your purpose is. So I pray that this has blessed you on tonight the way that it has blessed me. 
Last week was different. This week is different, but Holy Spirit knew exactly what needed to be said. Um, let me check to see if there's anyone on here. Hey, Miss D. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the screen. You know, anyone was in here. Um, so this is an interactive Bible study. So if anybody, if you got questions or if you want to come up, this is a new platform, so I'm still trying to learn it. But um, if you want to have questions, um, do you see anything that'll let you come up? If not, just type it in the chat and I'll answer it in the chat. Yeah, I'm still learning this new platform. I like to be able to interact with you all. Um, I'm going to give you about 10 more seconds to see. No questions. Okay, great, great, great. Well, the replay is going to be up on my website. Um, it'll be up here still where you can listen to it for a few more days until I take it down. But I'm going to uh, leave the lives up for a few days and then migrate everything over to my website. Um, that way I can make sure everything is edited, sounds good, and all of that. Um, but we'll go ahead and close out in prayer. So, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you so much. Oh, my God. Thank you for this awesome day. It's truly been amazing. Thank you for everything that happened in this day. Thank you for uh, just blessing me with the strength and your joy to be able to teach this lesson and smile through it. Pure, like genuine smile, no faking no, none of that. You, you truly are my strength, oh Lord. And I thank you for that. And I pray that because of everything that happened on today, I pray that the anointing on these words that you release, Holy Spirit, is that much more stronger. Um, even for those who listen to the replay, I thank you that this word will fall onto good ground. It, it will produce a harvest in their lives. I pray that every single person that listens, Father, that you will reveal to them exactly what it is that you called them to do in this earth. I thank you for choosing them for the assignment. I thank you for choosing them for the storm. I thank you that you brought them through the storm with a great anointing upon their lives and with the great weight of your glory upon their lives. So thank you, Father. They are locked and loaded. They are locked and loaded with your word and they are ready to aim shoot and fire according to your instructions holy spirit so show them where to point show them where the target is help them to pull the trigger and shoot your word forth and i thank you father that it's gonna hit what it needs to hit in the name of jesus so i thank you for every person that showed up on the live tonight bless them tremendously anything that they may stand in the need of father i just thank you for blessing them with favor and provision in every area of their lives in the name of jesus Thank you that we are all your servants and we are locked arms, Father, on the front lines of your army. We are ready for this battle. Thank you that you've gone before us and you are fighting for us, Father. All we got to do is just show up and follow the instructions of your Holy Spirit. And so that is what we do. In the name of Jesus, we call this room done and we seal it with the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all, I just can't, I can't even tell y'all the joy that I got tonight. I just can't stop smiling. <laughs> you have to go back and listen to the beginning to just hear everything that God has just done today. But I love y'all and I'm just so humble and honored just to be able to teach this lesson on tonight. But we'll be back um, on Friday night with Friday Night Fire. 
which is our live prophetic intercession. So if you need healing, um, total deliverance, or fire baptism with the evidence of speaking, praying in tongues, make sure you show up for Friday Night Fire. Or if you just want to join us and be one of the intercessors, you know, praying along with us, you know, one can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000 to flight. So the more that we have bombarding heaven and lifting up prayers in this earth, the better. We stand as one. We stand as one before our God, a holy God. So I will see you all on Friday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time for Friday Night Fire. Or I will see you all next Wednesday night at 10 p.m. for the next non-Sunday school lesson. So I love you with the love of the Lord. Y'all be blessed. Good night.